Welcome in to another live edition of the Paul Kuharski Podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. Here to talk Titans with you, brought to you by Zen Sports and Jaspers, part of the 440 Network. Happy to be here with you. Some Titans developments this week as we got to meet Denard Wilson, the new defensive coordinator, Nick Holtz, the new offensive coordinator, non-play calling offensive coordinator. Talk to Brian Callahan a little bit about those two and things that extended a little bit beyond that. Getting close to uh, two weeks uh, to the combine where we'll talk again to Callahan more about um, prospects and things that they're uh, now racing to catch up on that they have uh, a staff in place. Hopefully talk to Rand Carthon there as well. Um, <clears throat> ideally I'll be able to run into some of those new coaches in the hallways, introduce myself, reconnect with somebody like Steve Jackson, uh, Frank Bush, and uh, Tracy Rocker, who've been on the staff here before. Jackson obviously played here before back at the beginning. So I wanted to talk before we dive into Q&As uh, and invite you guys to, uh, to retweet and get the message out here that we are live. A little bit about Denard Wilson, who I thought was pretty impressive uh, during his introduction, um, <clears throat> kind of direct and concise and pointed in what he had to say. I'd feel pretty good if I'm a Titans fan upon hearing from him for the first time. Um, quoted George Patton about nobody defends uh, anything and then spinning that into, uh, you know, they've got to be an attacking attacking defense. Um, and, and then he and Callahan both kind of talked about the necessity of, uh, of multiplicity in this day and age. You can't really, you know, be a defense with uh, any kind of singular identity given what offenses are doing nowadays. And you have to be able to, uh, to go blitz heavy on one play and coverage heavy on another play and, and do all sorts of, of different kind of things. Um, so, you know, even if they come to not call themselves a 3-4 or 4-3, I, I don't think we should have any issue with that. It makes absolute sense what they're saying in terms of their need to be uh, flexible um, and adjustable and, uh, and, and have all kinds of variations of themselves. The question is, how many players can they have in, in one year with a lot of turnover who allow them to be uh, you know, that multiple, that frequently. Um, and they certainly have some pieces that will allow for them to do that, but they certainly need more. Um, you know, uh, watching a guy like McDuffie in the Super Bowl, who I wrote a little bit the day after, you know, Titans don't have anything approaching a defensive back who can, uh, you know, bounce from outside to inside and cover on one play and blitz on another nearly as effective as somebody like Trent McDuffie, who is just a, a phenomenal football player. And we all know that the Titans need um, a lot of better football players. And so, uh, you know, Denard Walker sounds very confident about his ability to make, uh, you know, a good football player, a better football player. Um, 
<clears throat> I also like the way he talked about, you know, uh, as a first time coordinator, first time play caller, leaning on the lessons that he's learned from guys like Todd Bowles and Bowles and, and Greg Williams, and also from the people on the, the staff beneath him, uh, some of whom he worked with before Frank Bush and Tracy Rocker and Steve Jackson and the others, uh, you know, Ben Bloom, an outside linebacker and, uh, and Lori Locust and Clint McMillan, he even mentioned, um, who, uh, you know, he thinks he can draw a lot from who will help him uh, and be resources for him. So uh, impressed by him. Um, and I think uh, it gave me better feelings about the defensive staff, staff, which I'm not as excited about overall as a package deal, just, you know, on first blush as compared to the offensive staff. Um, but Nick Holtz, you know, it's kind of a wait and see thing because when you see a new offensive coordinator in, in our history here uh, with the Titans, we've looked at a guy who's going to be the play caller, right? And what you want to know from an offensive coordinator is his philosophy about play calling and all of those sorts of things. And Nick Holtz isn't going to be the play caller, obviously, under uh, Brian Callahan. So the conversation with Holtz was about kind of um, a lot about how he's going to be a resource for Callahan, the way Callahan was a resource for Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. And um, so it's, it's not a work in process a progress for them as much as it is for us to kind of see uh, what he does, but he's a sounding board in a lot of ways too. Uh, for Callahan. So that'll be interesting to watch. He's not as dynamic a personality by any means as Denard Wilson. Um, so it, it, it'll take a little bit more patience from us to uh, get excited about him, if, if you will. Um, if, you, if you're listening to those two guys talk, one's a lot more dynamic than the other. Hood came in here to Call me a real clown with his uh, great use of emojis. So welcome, Hood. It's great to have you here. We'll uh, head on to some of your questions. Let me check the status of the Twitter machine, which I should have had set up over here. And it's up and running there. Uh, so we're good to go. I appreciate you coming. It's good to see you. These live podcasts have been going well. Next week, I'll be broadcasting um, from New Jersey. Got some family stuff going on. Need to go spend some time with mom. So I'll be in New Jersey for a while and then um, at the combine. So glad to see that the text got through for a lot of you. Um, Leon Strife says, uh, offensive coordinator and Callahan are uh, buddies that get a pass because the OC is not calling plays. Look. I mean, uh, you know, coaching staffs are built this way. Guys hire a lot of guys that they know. Um, and Callahan and um, and Holtz went to high school together. They coached together in Oakland for a year. Um, you know, he gets judged on his merits as we see what kind of work he does. Now, uh, you know, people were upset with Mike Vrabel after a long period of time. They thought he hired his buddies. Um, he wasn't 
you know, close to Tim Kelly on the level that people like to think he was. Uh, he didn't know Todd Downing before he brought in Todd Downing. So if, uh, if Nick Holtz doesn't turn out to work out very well, certainly Brian Callahan will get grief for having hired um, a buddy that goes all the way back to high school. But he gets a clean slate coming in uh, for sure at the start. Eric wants to know if uh, I see the Titans going tight end with the first round pick. I, I think Bowers could be an outside option there, but I think it's far more likely they go offensive lineman or wide receiver. So there'd have to be some craziness in front of them for them to take Bowers. He'd become more likely if, uh, if they backed up from seven um, a little bit and uh and let things play out a little bit more in front of them demarcus says we hear many of the same talking points coach speak amongst many coaches what do you think separates the elite from those who just talk performance production nothing separates them in february on valentine's day uh, especially new guys that don't have track record i mean bill callahan what separates him is his he's done outstanding work at you know, four different places in the not so distant past with offensive lines. And, uh, you know, he took a team as a head coach to, to a Super Bowl. Um, so we know he's good because he's been good. Brian Callahan's been part of, of some very good teams in Cincinnati and helped a very good quarterback become, a, you know, a great quarterback in Joe Burrow. But, you know, on February 14th, when we heard these guys speak, we don't know the difference between if they're doing a good job coach speaking or if they're going to be coaches, good coaches. Denard uh, Wilson uh, has had good success working with some very good defensive backs in places like Baltimore and Philadelphia. And people there have credited him with helping those people maximize their talents and so so far he's got a reputation deserved as a as an effective defensive back coach will he graduate into an effective defensive coordinator we're not going to know until uh you know i'd say halfway into the season we'll have a good feeling for what kind of defensive coordinator he is in the context of what kind of talent the titans are able to give him to put on the field and, and we'll go from there. But certainly we can't make that distinction yet at, uh, at this time. UW says, what concerns do I have of the defensive coaching staff? Does Bush, who ran a defense, albeit badly, help Wilson call plays? I mean, nobody's going to help him call plays. But there's too much put on the idea that the, the play calling is all a Sunday deal. You know, they're looking all week you know, especially Tuesday as they formulate a game plan at what the upcoming opponent does. And they say, when we see X, we're going to do Y. All of that is pre-prescribed by the staff together. Callahan talked in great detail about this, about to what degree the offensive game planning pre-prescribes the uh, offensive play calling. Then there are adjustments made along the way, and Denard Wilson talked about this. You know, we know what we're going to do, and then, you know, 
circumstances dictate updates and change and how the game is going and what how the team adjusts its scheme, the offense, and the new wrinkles that we see. And those things dictate changes from us and and we'll be good at that. So yeah, Bush is a part of that. All the assistant coaches are a part of that. But uh in the moment when the plays are being called, there isn't a lot of time for there's no time for consultation um outside of you know a timeout, like, hey, what are we expecting here? What do we do if they do this? What do we do if they do that? Okay, we've got these you know, two ideas in mind, and we're going to do one of these two things. Uh, outside of that, you know, got to keep it simple. But the idea that they're going to be attacking and try to dictate is is much better than nobody comes out and says they're going to be reactive, but a lot of people um, are, in fact, reactive. I'm getting some caffeine into my system here. Yeah. So this thing where I got into a three-second back and forth with somebody at the presser has become way too big a deal. At a press conference, sometimes a couple people try to ask a question at the same time. In this particular circumstance, I wasn't that interested in backing down. Neither was this other guy who I'm not going to advertise for. He's a relatively new guy. And... I think he's come in far too thunderously for a new guy. When I was a new guy, I eased in. I was an aggressive reporter, but I eased in. It's a generation ago, right, in 1995 in in the Oakland Raiders press press room. But, uh, I, 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 you know, apparently Buck Rising has nothing, no content, and, you know, has to has to talk about it. It's not a thing, you know, and the dude and I fought a little bit about it and settled down and then talked a little bit about it and left on fine terms. It's that people think it's like a huge scandal that two guys are trying to get a question in and and had a little tiff for a moment. It's like it's not knitting club, you know, it's not fight club either. So I should have backed down quicker and just let the jerk go if he's so damn insistent on going and he probably thinks the same thing about me but i will say you know there is a tendency in such situations that that you know a guy who's been there from the beginning tends to you know if i was in new in some room i'd let the guy who'd been there forever have his question uh, my parents did, in fact, retire in New Jersey. They lived in New Jersey since 1976. They retired probably, my dad retired in probably 1998, passed away last year. Mom's uh, holding strong. Um, but there's another issue in the family that means that uh, the people that usually look in on mom are not uh, able to look in on mom. So I need to... Uh, to look in on mom. So it'll be good. Mom and I will get some quality time together. I can get some things done for mom and I can work from up there. Ed Henry says, reading between the lines, it seems like Bill Callahan's value is not only the offensive line, but also assisting Brian with how to be a head coach. I mean, I don't think you need to read between the lines. I don't think it's any different than, um, you know, any 
young first-time head coach who has a former head coach on his staff as a position coach. It's not uncommon. And then you've got, you know, some experience you can uh, lean on and look to. Jeff Fisher, you know, had those guys when he was uh, a young coach. He had uh, McGinnis later after he had some experience. But before that, he had uh, Gunther Cunningham was his linebacker coach. Before that, he had uh, somebody else that I'm forgetting. It's just a smart thing to do. That it happens to be Brian Callahan's dad adds an interesting twist to it. Um, but it's not not uncommon at all. It's a s- smart way to operate. Shane Robinson says, if I remember, Wisenhunt preached flexibility. His lack of identity was an issue. What's the line? Well, leagues evolved a lot since Wisenhunt. Wisenhunt was just an overall mess. Um, I, I agree with that. But Wisenhunt was also probably talking on the offensive side. Look, um, you know, Callahan said it with what off passing games are doing now and with what offenses are doing now, you need to be versatile on the offensive side of the ball. I get your point though, Shane, and I've said this sometime and I've had these questions about the guys coming out like, uh, uh, the three name guy in Cleveland, Owuso Koromaya. I'm probably butchering his name. You know, people get so fascinated with these guys who come out who can do everything. Well, I I like that, but you want to be sure that the guy can do one thing, right? He's got to have a primary place to start. Uh, you don't want to spread him so thin that he he can't uh, has no home, so to speak. And I, I agree with the that piece of the premise of what you're saying. But we are to the point where we're heading more and more towards uh, increasingly positionless football where um, the DB who can play inside, outside, and even some safety, uh, the corner who can play inside, outside, and some safety is additional has additional value, right? Now, if you're a really good outside corner, there's a place for you too, right? You need that elite outside corner. But the elite outside corner who can play left and right and follow a receiver around is you know, more valuable than the guy who's got to play one side, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to Indy. Brian uh, Bergmeier is asking if I'm going to Indy to scout or get intel. I'm going to Indy to cover the combine, um, which is, you know, seeing players, talking to players, seeing uh, friends from around the league, media friends, coaching friends, scouting friends, find out everything you can um, over the course of four or five days. Is Tom Jones the new stretch? Wonder how influential he'll be in game day strategy, decisions, clock management, et cetera. Tom Jones is the new stretch in that he is Callahan's right-hand man. But that position takes on different um, texture for each head coach. So for Vrabel, Stretch's guy happened to be um, good at that stuff. And Vrabel emphasized that and Stretch, you know, expanded on that and took advantage of his opportunity there. Tom Jones 
was, uh, you know, big on football ops with the Raiders for a long time. So he's more of an operations guy. So that guy doesn't have to be the same thing on every staff or have the same characteristics. So he's, you know, maybe more of a operational guy who helps, you know, I don't know. Stretch did a lot of scheduling also, you know, practice scheduling, probably worked with the ops people on, you know, Vrabel would like for us to get to uh, to the city we're going to at three o'clock or four o'clock as opposed to one o'clock or two o'clock and stuff like that. And that's the kind of stuff I imagine Tom Jones is also involved in, which is not unimportant stuff in the operation of a, of a football team. Focus asked, what's a must in free agency for the Titans? Uh, look, I, I can't say what's a must. Well, I will, though, but it's a must that they solve some issues in free agency. I, I think there's good stuff at guard, uh, Zeitler, say, or Hunt, uh, Zeitler from um, Baltimore, right? Hunt from uh, Miami. Um, Cushenberry center from um, Denver. There are good offensive linemen. There just are not good left tackles. So I think the Titans could get two good uh, James from the Raiders is a good center that Mike Herndon's pushed a lot and really likes. So there are good free agent offensive linemen who could help you cure your line issues, just not your left tackle issue. They could do some damage there. Uh, Sneed, I was talking earlier about McDuffie in Kansas City. Legeria Sneed uh, was on with Kay Adams, I think, today or yesterday, talking about the need to get paid by the Chiefs. Um, you know, it's a chance there that he's going to leave the Chiefs. He'd be somebody that's very uh, interesting. I think the Titans absolutely need a clear, elite, number one cornerback. That's a guy that you could get in free agency, Sneed or Johnson from um, from the Bears. Those are intriguing guys. These are the kind of people you can get in free agency that would settle a position down, and, and you, you can't overextend in the draft, obviously, where you don't have a third-round pick. So you're only going to be able to address two. I think it's harder to address wide receiver, number one wide receiver uh, in free agency. I don't think T. Higgins is getting there. Calvin Ridley's the second best, probably. He's got great speed and, and uh, very attractive as a weapon, but he's got off-the-field issues that concern people about what he'll turn into with big money. Third best guy's probably Michael Pittman. Doesn't have the kind of speed that you need. Um, and, and after that, you know, there's some guys that are interesting that could help upgrade your receiving core but are not going to be number one receivers for you. So. Robert Stewart asks, where did I get started covering the Titans? I started covering the Titans. I'd covered the 1995 Oakland Raiders. That was their first year back in Oakland. So I had been assured through a connection and meeting the editor of the Oakland Tribune that if the Raiders moved back to Oakland, I would get a job on the Oakland Tribune's sports staff wasn't assured of being the Raiders. He just knew that he would have an additional uh, job. 
And then it turned out when, when the Raiders moved, it made the most sense for him. It saved him money to hire me and have me live in Los Angeles because they uh, continue to train in Los Angeles. And then I just traveled up for home games. So I traveled every weekend. I traveled to home games and road games. Um, and then he, uh, he got fired in a bit of a scandal after the season was over and they fired the, uh, the, the last five people he hired, which included me, the Tennessean was looking for somebody to do the exact same thing, live in Houston, cover the last year of uh, the Oilers in Houston and the legal wrangling it would take for them to get out of their lease and move to Tennessee. I said, Hey, I just basically did that. Tennessee and hired me. I lived in Houston in 1996, covered all of that stuff. Once they got out of their lease after the season was over, I moved to Nashville and I was with the Tennessean uh, all the way up until when? 2008? 2008, I believe, when I went to ESPN.com. This is ridiculous. Throwing hands in the presser. It's not throwing hands in the presser. I, I told a guy, I didn't think he could shout me down out of my question. I did verbally destroy Stilly. Oh, we don't need to have a big full-time conversation about my mom, Leon, who asks if my mom is by herself. My mom is by herself, but my brother lives, you know, like 45 minutes away. Thank you for your nice thoughts about my mom. Look, I, I, I never thought T. Higgins was going to reach the market. Market Kane Martin is asking, do I think – the Titans look more at a receiver in round one now with the reports of T getting tacked. I think the Titans can find a good receiver in the second round of the draft after they get a left tackle of the future in the first round of the draft. But it's possible they do it the other way around. I'm hopeful. I don't think they find a left tackle or number one wide receiver in free agency, and I think those will be the two things that they need to take, take care of in with their first two picks. If they could trade down in the first round and wind up with three picks in the first three rounds, then they get a little bit more flexibility. But I think left tackle is the absolute number one thing this team has to have. And that, I say that as somebody who's chronicled for the entire existence of this franchise in Tennessee, it's failures at wide receiver, where really it's had uh, Derek Mason, Drew Bennett, Nate Washington, which was a successful um, free agent signing, a guy who signed a six-year contract and played out all six years, and A.J. Brown, who they completely fucked things up with. Let's, uh, let's retweet. Kane asked me if Indy's a fun place to catch a game. It's a nice stadium. You know, um, shadows are bad on the field on a sunny day which can make it difficult, but it's a unique stadium. It's a fun town in that if you stay in a hotel downtown, all the restaurants and the bars are, you know, walkable and close. It's not the best weather city by any means, um, you know, but uh, it's not a bad, not a bad place to catch a game. Let me tell you about Zen Sports for a second. Zen Sports uh, is the primary sponsor of this podcast. Go download their app. Uh, it's for Tennesseans only. Uh, so they cater 
to those of us who live in this fine state, the home of your Tennessee Titans. Download the app. Go there. Use code P, uh, T-N-P-A-U-L, T-N-Paul, um, and you're, make a bet for as little as $10, and you get a free membership to paulkowarski.com for a year, which is pretty sweet. But you can make a bet. A lot bigger than that, up to $1,000, a no-danger first wager. So you either hit it big, you can make that bet uh, with odds up to plus $500. If you win, you're golden. If you lose, you're refunded. So you're either funding your account or you're risk-free, which is a pretty sweet deal. Zen Sports. Go get the app, sign up, use TN Paul, and uh, it's a great setup all around. They've been terrific to me, and uh, I think you should use them as your primary betting app if you are, in fact, in Tennessee. Bet responsibly. David Jackson, my man, asks, how aggressive do I think the Titans will actually be in free agency? You have a lot of cap space. How aggressively will it get used, in my opinion? Well, you know, Rand Carthon emphasized in the Titans podcast, you know, and Brinker, too, I think, you know, fiscal responsibility. Yeah, I think you need to overpay a guy or two that you target, but I think they're going to have, you know, pretty hard ceilings on what they would overpay, too. And if somebody's going to go beyond that, they're not going to chase to a ridiculous degree. And then you go to the next guy. But you're probably going to have to overpay a couple guys to land who you want. So you find the guard that you really think could thrive in your system and say, hey, you know, he's worth X. We'll pay him up to Y. Uh, but if somebody's going to go to Z, we're on, on to the next. But I, I think they, they're they not going to spend all of it. Um, but this roster needs replenishment, and they know it. Um, and and they didn't make moves last year that would have taken up some of this year's cap, could have taken up some of this year's cap. I think, you know, it was pretty clear that they wanted to reset fiscally, get themselves into a position where they could be wise spenders in free agency in addition to drafting. They don't want to be regular participants in free agency to the degree that uh, that they they can be this year, but I think, if they aren't this year, they have some explaining to do. Do I expect Callahan Sr. to pay immediate dividends? Absolutely. I mean, I think it'd have a, a bearing on Skaronsky, uh, for sure. Um, you know, other guys, you know, he's going to determine if uh, if somebody like Nicholas Petit Frere, uh, you know, has what it takes and to, to what degree. Can it be a starting right tackle? Is he a depth guy? But I think, uh, you know, with the people they bring in, free agent-wise, draft-wise, um, lower free agent-wise, undrafted rookie free agents who, uh, you know, had an agent tell me he would kill to send anybody that's looking to, uh, to, to, to stick in the league as an undrafted free agent or a, or a street free agent who, who needs – to be developed. He would look to send to Tennessee now because of Bill Callahan. Callahan improves guys like that. So the Titans should also have much better depth. You know, the Browns went, what, like four deep at a tackle position this year? Well, 
they're far more equipped to have their second, third, even fourth guy be capable players because of Bill Callahan. And the Titans weren't equipped. Uh, they weren't equipped with their first string left tackle. But certainly when you get to your second left tackle and your third left tackle, the Titans uh, didn't have players who were good enough. Now, they're not good players to start with. They're not ready in the case of Jalen Duncan. But somebody like Bill Callahan can accelerate the growth curve of somebody like Jalen Duncan, bring out the best in him, help cover up his flaws, things like that. I think he absolutely has uh, an immediate uh, effect. Ed Henry suggesting a pizza place in Freehold, which is right near where I'm going to be. So I'm going to ask you to hit me up on that again, Ed, because I'll go to Federici's. This is a popular question. PBK is asking, can we ask the team to confirm D-Hop is in the plans? They created an out for themselves in his contract this year. Why would D-Hop not be in the plan? This has been a popular question. Why would they come in? They've got a one feasible receiver on the roster who can regularly make plays. Why would Brian Callahan, who, who says, you know, receivers – I, I need receivers. I want playmakers. What would be the point of their strategy be to come in and say, we got to get rid of this one playmaking wide receiver that we have? I, I don't understand. They built themselves an out in case he didn't pan out. He was good. He can still play. They only have, I think I heard uh, somebody today, uh, Rex Road, talking about they only have three guys who have cap numbers over $10 million next year. Landry and Simmons are over $20 million, and I think Hopkins is at $17 million. What rationale would the Titans have for not wanting DeAndre Hopkins at a $17 million cap number next year? Now, I've heard some people say, well, maybe he wouldn't want to be here. Who the fuck cares if he wants to be here? He's under contract. And, and also, he last year – didn't drum up a lot of interest on the on the free agent market after he was cut. So um, at that point, he you know maybe had two teams that were interested, and he decided to come to Tennessee. And I think he's pretty grateful that he got a good opportunity here and was able to to be a big contributor on a team. Yeah, came up sh well short of of what he would have liked win loss wise. But it's not like he came from a team that was lighting it up in, in Arizona or before that in in the latter years in Houston. So I, I don't understand, like, he's going to announce that he wants out because he wants to get somewhere good. Well, all of those good teams had access to him last year and passed on him. So I'm not sure exactly why we're thinking, A, he would want out, and B, they would let him out, or C, they wouldn't want him. None of that makes any sense to me. They should absolutely want him, and they shouldn't care if he wants out. Banky's fan. Will Henry get tagged by the Titans? Absolutely not. Not even a remote consideration. If Henry's here, he probably gets signed late to a cheap contract after he figures out that the market for his services is not what he hopes it is elsewhere. 
but there's absolutely no circumstance where they give him the running back franchise tag. Robert asks, odds, in my opinion, Nashville can get a Super Bowl with the new stadium. Nashville's guaranteed pretty much of a Super Bowl with the new stadium. They haven't come out and said that. They don't say it anymore, but it's baked into the cake with the NFL's portion of the financing with um, with the with the league um, as part of the plan. Any new stadium barring outdoor in Buffalo pretty much gets uh, gets it. Tommy, I uh, Tommy's asking any ideas on the new special teams coach. I uh, do not know, but I will look at the names that you are throwing out there. Uh, Chris Tabor and Nate Katzer. I know Nate a little bit. Boring Dad Sports Company. Interesting. Besides O-line, what are the top positions of need for the Titans? There's not a position on the roster where the Titans do not need help. Literally. Uh, you know, tight ends sufficed last year. was nowhere near good enough for me. Uh, but the top positions of need beyond the O-line are wide receiver and cornerback, I would put uh, the top two. Edge rusher, depending on how many guys they're going to play. Defensive line, for sure. They got super thinned out last year. Danico Autry um, is, is a free agent. Depends on what you do with him there. Depending on what happens with Henry, you're going to need another running back. Um, and on and on it goes. Backup quarterbacks, another big one. Robert says, if he hits free agency and can get a visit from Patrick Queen, they can't let him leave the building without a deal unless he had crazy demands. Patrick Queen would be a great get, but you're kind of talking in ancient terms, this idea of a, of a guy who's going to be signed in the first couple days of free agency, making a visit, not letting him leave the building. Those days are over. Guys who make visits are like the second wave of free agency after everything's sifted out. Somebody like Patrick Queen will probably like be announced as having reached the deal with a team like 10 minutes after the, the legal tampering period. I hate to use that phrase, but that's what everybody calls it. Uh, he's not visiting any buildings. Hill says, I would definitely add a year with incentives to D-Hop if you can. I don't know that they need to add a year. I mean, if they if they get two good wide receivers, then you see how it goes with D-Hop. If he uh, starts to fade, it'd be cheaper next year. Don't get ahead of yourself. But... Spencer asks, are there too many cooks in the kitchen coaching Levis? Three voices coaching one guy. No, it's great. Get them all on the same page. Coach them up. I mean, most teams with the offensive head coach have the offensive head coach, uh, an offensive coordinator, and a quarterback coach. So, uh, you know, that's where all these coaches off of McVay's tree are coming from, offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches out of McVay's thing. Um, it's perfectly fine. Burn, Bryn asking about Hassan Haskins as a backup. I don't see anything special about Hassan Haskins that he would uh, 
win anything higher than the third job. And uh, they've got guys who rank ahead of him. He was only on the roster because the league put him back on the roster after he's on the commissioner's exempt list after his legal troubles. I mean, I expect he'll be in camp. There's always a possibility, but um, I don't, uh, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I think um, Jonathan Ward's a better back than he is for sure. And uh, Chestnut, who I don't like either, was around. Uh, Michael's asking, assuming Mike Evans and T. Higgins are tagged, who would I pick in free agency at receiver? I probably wouldn't. I mean, the next best guys are Calvin Ridley, who I said before is somebody you'd be scared of given money. Michael Pittman's not fast enough. You know, further down the list, I'm sure you can find it. Hollywood Brown is a little bit intriguing because it gives you that speed as a smaller guy, presuming they're willing to go smaller and God help us if they're not. Um, but, uh, you know, I think further down the list, and I should have a list in front of me, I'm, I apologize that I don't. There are guys who could be helpful in uh, in a rotation, but there are no number ones on the free agent list. Question here. Uh, Callahan said, Rand was a great communicator. That being the case, why doesn't he speak more? Look, there's an inherent contradiction here on how the Titans sell Rand as a phenomenal communicator and a, and a terrific relationship guy and what they say about him and what we see from him. They don't jive. And I think it's a cause for questions and maybe even concern from Titans fans. Look, the most important thing, obviously, from Carthon is what kind of talent he brings in. But they're saying part of the reason he's able to bring in talent is because of his uh, ability to woo people with his personality, his ability to build relationships. If he's got this quality, which they insist he has, I, I don't understand why we're not allowed to see it. I mean, Darnell Mooney's been on the market, you know, three years in a row. You've heard about him uh, being available for cheap trade. Now he's a free agent. So sure. I mean, Tyke Tolbert's worked with him in Chicago, the new wide receivers coach. I wouldn't be averse to them bringing him here for uh, to be part of things, but I'm, I'm not putting him in pen as a, as a guy that they could absolutely count on. I, I, G says the Titans should trade for Ayuk. I, I just don't understand people who are eager to make trades for people. What, what do the Titans have to trade? They're down a third-round pick already. They have huge holes, and they want to build through the draft. Ayuk's going to be expensive in a trade. So, and and then have an expensive contract. They can afford that. But if you give up what it costs for Brendan Ayuk, you're giving up draft picks. And they need draft picks. They don't need to give up draft picks. Kiaris Jackson, there's a question about. Kiaris Jackson did a good job as the punt returner. I don't think he was anything particularly desirable as a wide receiver. I wouldn't, wouldn't count on him. Spencer's asking about benchmark numbers for Will Levis. I don't care about any kind of benchmark numbers. You want a good touchdown to interception ratio. You want a good uh, – for him, average depth of target, 
you know, is, is an important number. Um, Tyler Boyd, somebody's asking about Tyler Boyd's, you know, getting north of 30. He's not particularly fast. Played predominantly in the slot. What else we got? Everybody go ahead and retweet one more time. We'll get another 10 or 15 minutes in here. So Mike is saying, do I think Hopkins will stay? Everybody talks like it's a guarantee, but he came to play with Vrabel and Henry not to rebuild. He's under contract. You don't get as a player under contract to choose whether you're playing or not. You're under contract. You're making it sound like guys just decide, well, well this year I'm going to decide not to, not to play for the Titans. You don't get to choose when to be a free agent. He's, he's under contract, Mike. Jeffrey Simmons the last two years has not been the very best version of Jeffrey Simmons. Carr or core is asking, has Jeffrey Simmons been playing like a hundred million dollar guy? Hasn't been healthy. Would it be worth trading him for picks slash players? You know, he's their guy. He's one of their, their pillars. So as soon as he doesn't play great, you want to trade him. Well, who other people have seen that he hasn't been terrific the last two years either and hasn't been uh, been necessarily up to his own standards. So his trade value would be down. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm not the biggest Simmons guy, but you don't just say, well, our guy hasn't played great or as great as we expected. Let's trade him immediately. You say, this is our foundational guy. We're expecting him to to rebound and play great and be our foundational guy in 2024. No, there's no way somebody's asking about Malik as number two quarterback. Does he stay as the number two quarterback? He wasn't the number two quarterback last year, except when Tannehill was unable to play. He was the number three quarterback virtually every Sunday, and there's no way he will be the number two quarterback this year. It'd be a damn miracle. Spencer asks, what would need to happen one to six and be offered to me for me to trade down from pick seven? Well, I think Alt and Fashanu would need to be gone. Neighbors. And Rome would need to be gone. Those four guys aren't going to be gone. I mean, I think if you can get one of those four guys at seven, you probably stay and take one of those four guys at seven. Though if the offer's good enough, I don't know exactly what it's worth, but I mean, if those, if three of those four guys are still on the board at seven and people want to move up and you think they're moving up to get a quarterback and you can get to 10 and still have a reasonable shot at one of those four guys, and you're back in the third or better, I'd seriously consider it. Do I think Landry was starting to turn a corner following an injury by the end of the year? It appeared so. Yeah, well before the end of the year, last six weeks, he was he was very, very good. Uh, he was back to himself. So it was encouraging. I feel bad for these guys. I was kind of asking him, but it's not something he wanted to get into. Like, what's it feel like, like, 
you know, most injuries, you have a timetable. A doctor will say, you know, well, you know, right now you're at X percent, but you can expect three weeks from now that you'll really feel more like yourself. And with returning from ACL repair, they can't tell you that, you know, doctor says it's, it, you're looking for a light switch, but it's more like a, a window shade. Um, but, you know, not with the predictability of window shade, just with that slower movement. And, um, you know, it's got to be awfully frustrating waiting for that to uh, happen. And Landry's not a me big media guy and, and, and doesn't necessarily want to get philosophical with us. But uh, it felt badly for him. He's, he's a very good player, and it had to be um, very difficult to work as hard as he works and do all the things that he did. Um, the same as he did them before and not, not get the results until when he started to do. Justin Belcher says, do I think they attack free agency like last year and get a bunch of one year bargain guys so they can go BPA every round. They should not get a bunch of one year bargain guys. They have actual money. Now go get some guys who you like, who are good who can be longer term solutions for you. You need at least three or four of those kind of guys out of this free agent class. I don't know why you'd go bargain shopping when you have some money, you don't have to break the bank, but get some legit guys. And this idea of going BPA, you know, look, the Titans have needs everywhere, but if the best player available at seven is a quarterback, they're not taking him. You know, if the best player available at seven is a safety they're probably not taking them. It's positional value. It doesn't dictate safeties at, at seven. If the best player available at seven is a guard, which it's not going to be, they're not taking them. So it's best player available with need in mind is the best you do if you do best player available. Gabe wants to know, is Chase Young a reasonable option in the offseason? Chase Young was a damn dog during some of the playoffs. He played better in the Super Bowl. But against Detroit, he stood around watching plays unfold. I wouldn't want Chase Young. Chase Young is a dog. I don't know who they'll go after for backup quarterback. Andy Hill wants to know any idea who they may go after. Here's some guys they should go after. Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, Gardner Minshew, Josh Dobbs, maybe Mitch Trubisky. I mean, those five guys, it tails off at the end. I mean, Minshew I don't think is going to be available, and, and Trubisky's not great. But between Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, and Josh Dobbs, those would be three quality backup quarterbacks in my mind that could come in and win you a couple games. There's no hurry to let Caleb Farley go. Carr is asking how long before Caleb Farley gets let go. I think it actually costs him a little bit more money to let him go than to, to keep him. Uh, there's no reason for him not to be in training camp, presuming uh, his health is all right. So we shall see. A lot of you are feel like it's somehow cathartic to cut a guy who's been unproductive when it doesn't cost you any money until the opening week of the season. There's no reason to cut him before that unless you have a real fear of him getting injured again. And I know you have a real fear of him getting injured again, but um, J Jimmy Garoppolo is another backup quarterback uh, option. Somebody's mentioning here that is a uh, a good idea. Though you'd like more arm, right? 
to to match up with your guy with arm. Matthew mentions uh, he enjoys hearing me Wednesdays on 1025 The Game. I appreciate that. I have yet to mention my other sponsor. You also see on the rail over here, Jasper's, which is a great restaurant and place for drinks on West End Avenue between downtown and Midtown. Can't recommend it highly enough. I go there and eat the Bolognese Park for free, which is like unheard of anywhere at premium real estate in Nashville. So that's taken care of. You can play Papa Shot or Air Hockey or a bunch of other games also for free. Uh, service is great. The food is great. The drinks are great. There's also a little grab-and-go market that has you know, Nashville souvenirs if you're taking somebody who's visiting from out of town. Uh, really, everything about the place is uh, terrific. I can't recommend it highly enough. I don't go there often enough. I am due for a stop. And I might get the Cuban sandwich instead of the bolognese. It's a, a real difficult, Sophie's choice, really. Um, so I recommend you go there. Tell them uh, if you have a chance that uh, that I sent you. But they've been really good to, to this show and to my site. And so uh, I can't recommend highly enough that you go. Please, uh, if you're whatever stream you're listening on, uh, like and subscribe and uh, rate. That's a big help to the operation here. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, definitely subscribe. I uh, answer a lot of the comments that get put on the YouTube chat after the fact. So there's a conversation that goes on there as well. I'll take another question or two here and we'll get out of Dodge. Also remember to subscribe, uh, to download the Zen Sports app and get going there with the code TNPAUL. Any hope for Burks, Greg Stafford asks. Yeah, I don't see – I mean, I think you got to think of him as a gravy guy. I wouldn't go into the season thinking of him as wide receiver one or two. Um, but, you know, if he gets it together and, and can stay healthy and they can figure out ways to use him where the buildup speed is is less of an issue um, and then, then all of a sudden you're deeper at wide receiver, that's great. Um, David Weatherspoon asks, what are my thoughts on the staff Callahan has put together so far? Who do I think are good options for special teams coordinator? I couldn't tell you about special teams coordinator. I like the staff in general. A um, lot of good experience. I think the offensive side of the ball looks better than the defensive side of the ball, which would come naturally, I think, with Callahan's experience and him being an offensive guy. But, you know, it's a long time before these guys are on the field with their people um, and everybody's got a clean slate coming in. I look forward to seeing what these guys do and how they look, these guys and Lori Locust, um, who's a holdover from Vrabel staff. He kept 11 guys from Vrabel staff. Vrabel only kept six guys from, um, from Malarkey's staff. So it's just an interesting note to keep in mind for how much everybody bitched about Vrabel staff. 11 people are back from that staff. Spencer wants to know, can the Titans maneuver the cap for more picks, sign and trade, or take a high cap player off a team's hand? I don't know about the second part, sign and trade. I mean, why? I don't know how, how sign and trade works. Why wouldn't somebody else just sign, sign the guy? They're not going to watch you sign a free agent and then trade for him when they could sign the free agent themselves. You're talking about your own guys. I mean if a guy's nearing free agency now, 
why is he signing with you for a possibility of getting traded instead? It's, it's talking in NBA terms. I'm not out on Brock Bowers. And if they rated Brock Bowers as, you know, if they think he's the next Travis Kelsey, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be averse to it. But I think it, it, Brian Callahan wants outside weapons and outside weapons. Um, Brock Bowers, you know, is, is going to be more often in the in the inside of the field. Um, and so I, I just – I don't see him as a, as a priority guy. Maybe, maybe he is, maybe they judge him as, as more talented. It's hard for me to see him over neighbors or uh, Rome, but uh, who knows? Hey, looks like we've reached our time. So I'm really glad you came. Uh, sign up for paulkohersky.com if you're not already a member t-shirts coming that might say part of what i'm going to tell you here don't block the box but be sure please please to lock your locks